0: presents High Tech Sunday. On today's episode of High Tech Sunday, our hosts, Dr. Mark Vaughn and Link O'Dean, sit down with Program Engineering Manager for General Motors, Charles Muse, for a conversation on putting in the work. Up first is Corning Incorporated's Manager of Technical Talent Pipelining, Dr. Mark Vaughn. Next is Career Communication Group's Senior Technology Editor, Lango Dean. Finally, our esteemed guest, Charles Muse. Since joining GM in 2011, Muse has excelled in various assignments, each growing in scope and responsibility. In his current role, Muse works on the Cruise Origin, which is a future autonomous ride sharing vehicle and collaborative project. Through his dedication to taking on complex projects, Muse was a recipient of the Most Promising Engineer in Industry Award at the 2021 Baya STEM Conference. Muse is a huge advocate of minorities' pursuit of STEM and has dedicated himself to paying it forward by supporting the youth and mentoring through various programs. Muse is a member of Philadelphia's Urban Youth Racing School, Nesby and Chevrolet's Discover the Unexpected, just to name a few. And without further delay, High Tech Sunday featuring Dr. Mark Vaughan and Wango Dean.
1: Well, thank you so much, Brandon. And good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to another episode of High Tech Sunday. It's always a great pleasure to have you join us for what we know is going to be an enlightening conversation as we have the opportunity to get to know folks from really all kinds of STEM pathways and endeavors. And that is certainly the case today as we welcome Charles Muse to the program. Hey there, Charles, how's it going?
2: All as well i will not complain how are you
1: doing very well thank you and uh we certainly understand that complaining doesn't get us much and so i like that you said i won't complain uh but we are looking forward to hearing you telling us a lot of good stuff especially with the backdrop being putting in the work Wow. I I mean, as we are uh, airing this broadcast, we're entering into the official summertime, and it's uh, actually a time when people are kind of thinking of having a break from work. But I get that the uh, understanding around uh, putting in the work is something that you just can't get around. And so really looking forward to learning more about that particular perspective in this conversation. But to get things going, we really do like to take some time to just find out what makes you tick. How is it that you came to this place and space, if you will, in your life? So what is it that you attribute to your interest in STEM? How is it that you got started? Just tell us a little bit about where you come from and how you landed
2: here. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um you know my, my my journey being a man of faith is divinely inspired so uh born and raised on the south side of chicago i grew up naturally wanting to be an athlete so i didn't pay too much attention to school or academia um uh, until i had to right got to high school and uh in order to you know you had to be a student first before you could be an athlete when you got to those those levels you know you know having a scholarship and playing at a, a private uh, high school I, I I didn't have a choice but to apply myself um and then when I started to apply myself I re- you know you naturally realize what you excel at and that, those are my math science and stem classes um so I'd always kind of been in, you know you know in the cars and, and things of that nature but you know just like any you know any any boy growing up that's what you that's what you enjoy but the um the academics that went behind it was something that was like an untapped potential so I started to notice that a lot uh, in high school and um I ended up going to an aviation camp uh when I was probably a sophomore a late freshman year a sophomore year in high school and I just you know they they take take you up on an introductory flight in a little Cessna 172 they teach you about the Wright brothers and things of that nature and I instantly fell in love with flight I was like man flying is the coolest thing ever like and just like what they were explaining to me so I was like I think I want to be a pilot you know I I really want to be a pilot uh so time progressed and I got my first car and naturally had been a car guy. And, you know, in school, I did everything I could to put a sound system in it, swapped out the wheels, putting, you know, different, uh, you know, like the, you know, def- different air induction system on it, tweaking it with these little chips and things, you know, breaking it and putting it back together again, like any kid would do. Uh, so when it came time to go to to college, I wanted to to be a pilot, you know, that was that was set on my radar. But what I realized was, um that I, for the most part, that you had to limit yourself to certain schools to be a pilot. Um, so I looked at those different programs and I ended up, you know, landed at Ohio State where I had a full academic uh, scholarship, but the academic scholarship did not cover the pilot program, right? The fuel and everything else is completely separate. So I said, okay, well, what's the next best thing? And then I said, aeronautical and astronautical engineering. If at least I'm not going to be a pilot and, you know, kind of, I could at least study flight you know as it being interesting so things progressed and i i ended up going to a career fair where general motors was there and they kind of you know had a bug in my ear and uh when i got my internship offers you know from from other companies including general motors i read general motors and it was you know basically like being a a a test engineer at the proving grounds driving cars you know You know, doing the same thing, breaking it and fixing it all over again. I was like, well, even though I'm an aerospace engineering major, I'm not going to pass this up because Boeing and Lockheed, they're not going to let me test fly their planes. So, like, why not go to the to the proving ground? So just one of those things I just, you know, follow what I loved. Uh, And then lo and behold, when I graduated. Uh, my full time offer came for General Motors as an aerodynamicist so working on the aerodynamics of cars. So it married my love for aviation and aerodynamics with my, you know, with my background of aeronautical and astronautical engineering with my inherent love for cars. And then after after that, I just kind of pro- I'm progressing through the automotive industry just because I, you know, naturally engineer and I love to understand how things work. So that's that's really what, you know, the, the what makes Charles tick. at least a little bit about my journey to 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 paint the picture of how I got to where I am
1: very cool and and so it it really is interesting to note that you had your heart set on one pathway and you and you really didn't leave that, even though it began to take shape uh, in different ways as you progressed uh, from your Uh, early education into college and you started to make some decisions based on some uh, real life priorities and needs, uh, but you you still landed in that space that you love and being able to contribute to that. Your opening uh, message was, though, that a lot of this has been underscored by your faith, that you are a man of faith. Can you talk to us just a little bit? We like hearing about that aspect of people's journey here on High Tech Sunday. Can you speak up to us a little bit more about how your faith has really informed your journey?
2: Yeah, um, I think I think at least for me, uh, it was a matter of recognizing those moments where God kind of humbles you, right? Like you, you have your mind set on something and a lot of people go through this, right? Like for me, typically I wanted to be a basketball player. I, That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to play basketball. And even kind of growing up, initially, I wasn't good at it. I wasn't making the team. My mom's like, here's a saxophone. Why don't you try this? You know, just like those humbling moments where you're like, am I not good enough for this? You know, so... And you know those things kind of progress the same thing with uh, me be wanting to be a pilot and me only having a certain amount of money within my academic scholarship to you know to to look at those things and you 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 use those things to 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 really sit down as opposed to thinking up like God's putting up blockers for you. It, you. it takes a level of maturity to realize He's not. He's really He's really putting you on a path, and you have to have the faith to understand well. Enjoy the process of what's happening right now because it's happening for a reason. Because no matter how hard I, pan, you know, pound my fist on the desk, whatever it is, you know, in certain cases that I wanted, I didn't get. And when I look, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. And when I look back, I'm like, wow, I'm so glad I didn't get what I wanted at the time. Because it's led me to where I am now. So being a man of faith, just kind of trusting that God has a plan for my life. As long as I'm enjoying what I'm doing, always loved cars, always loved you know you know aviation. I loved aeronautics, uh, and nonetheless, it didn't even match up. I was an aer- aer- aerospace engineering student, interning for an automotive company, doing non aerospace work. But lo and behold, my full-time offer came as an aerodynamicist for ground, you know, for cars that I didn't even think existed. So God was telling me, like, just follow this path. I'm gonna put you somewhere you don't even think exists. So it was just those humbling moments along my journey where I realized when like when I'm pounding my fist and I think I'm supposed to be getting one thing and things are being like things are becoming frustrating. I'm underneath the storm. I have to use those times to really take a step back and say, this is part of his plan, this is part of my plan. Figure out what it is I'm supposed to do. Supposed to be doing uh because you're gonna look you're gonna look up five, six years from now and you're gonna thank yourself for being able to be for for being faithful and following the plan that was ahead of you. So it's not necessarily that, oh, opportunities were taken away from me. It's that you you slowly realize that God has a plan for you. And when you start to put in your own plans, he's he, he immediately puts a blocker and say, That's not what you're supposed to be doing. But in the in and it sounds like You know magnificent now but in the moment it's so hard to see that right
1: exactly right and and uh, again we we often get uh, a real nice sermon on high tech sunday and that was one uh when you were speaking you said something that only somebody who has lived through it can actually attest to you said i'm so glad i didn't get what i thought i wanted at the time that takes some living Uh, And it also takes some reflection uh, to know that uh, because of the blockers that uh, uh, were in place, uh, you wound up in a better place uh, than you could have experienced otherwise. I was going to say when you were sharing about uh, how you fell in love with aviation, by the way, that if they had put me in one of those Cessnas, that would have killed it for me. Uh, If it's anything smaller than a 730 something, uh, I'm, I'm probably not down with that and so you must be somebody who is a risk taker uh in life but we'll talk about that in another segment before we talk about putting in the work though uh, can you speak to this what is it that gets you out of bed in the morning what is it that motivates charles muse today what is your passion in life
2: my passion in life is leaving, you know, it sounds cliche, but it's leaving this place of, uh, you know, better than what I, what I found it, right? God has empowered me to be in positions I never thought I would be in. And I almost wake up every day indebted. Like, I owe the world. I owe it to my family. I owe it to everybody to get out of this bed with purpose and and, and live that way. And I've always kind of had that because when I look back on my journey in life, where I should have been. Uh, the things that that should have happened to me that didn't happen to me. I look up and I I, I see that in I, I see that debt almost that I owe, and it's like I've been put in a position to you know you know, to love what I do. And I've always been put in a position in life to love what I do from, you know, being able to play basketball and play it at a high, you know, a high level, being able, I was the bat boy for the Chicago White Sox. Uh, And it was like the craziest experience ever to have to, to be around professional athletes. But I was never into baseball. I actually really talked bad about baseball for a good period. I was like, that's so boring. It's so and now I love the game. I, I appreciate it so much more, but God empowered me to do so much. And every time I wake up, um, I, I'm very thankful for those opportunities. I'm thankful for the my parents that I had that worked so hard that I watched them do things that I look back now and I'm like, wow, my dad really sacrificed this. My mom really sacrificed that for me. And I, I was ungrateful in, at the time. But like the more you step through it, the more you realize. So every day that I wake up, I look at my parents. I look at my situation. I look at what could have happened to me and what didn't happen to me. And I live with purpose knowing that I am de- indebted into using these passions as a platform to, to make the world a better place
1: i think that's really great and i gotta say that we heard it here on high tech sunday uh you discovered that the bulls were not the only game in chicago that they had a baseball team yes who knew (laughs) Uh, (laughs) let's uh kind of make you a little uncomfortable for a moment we're going to talk about some accolades uh perhaps most notable for our audience today is you are a 2021 Black Engineer of the Year Award winner for Most Promising Engineer. Can you tell us a little bit about what that experience and what that recognition has meant to you? Yeah.
2: So the recognition came. I was very, very shocked uh, that my company wanted to even nominate me, right? The whole thing, when they kind of told me what the nomination process would be, you know, how long the You know the the package would be and all the different people that were involved and things that were involved and basically highlighting who charles news was it was flattering right that's uh you know so that just being nominated i was kind of taken back because you know out of the company they selected me uh you know to to nominate me for the award and then to kind of understand that every other candidate was going through that same thing across the entire you know every industry that had engineers uh and to have been selected for it, like I was just completely taken back. So for me, it really uh, culminates in in understanding that, again, the things that should have happened to me that didn't happen to me, you know, waking up every day with that purpose, it doesn't go unnoticed. And it always comes at those times where you think, am I doing something right? Should I be doing more? Should I, you know, like, what should I be doing? And, And to have received that war was a lot of validation for me as to like, you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing, don't worry about, um, every, you know, the, the the other things, the white noise that goes on in your head. Uh, but it was really, really flattering and honoring, and uh, for, for for me to see. And I, I was just glad that I was able to, to to be honored amongst so many other procedures of war winners. Um, and it it was kind of just showing me that the hard work and the faith was 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 paying off. But
1: it was the beginning of a journey, nonetheless. The hard work and the faith were paying off. Uh, and so let's talk about uh, putting in the hard work. In the uh, pre-interview, you mentioned this. Work hard, do what you like, and everything falls into place. So i got to ask you a question. Have you always been a hard worker, or did you have to learn how to be a hard worker?
2: Um, I would say that I, so that's a, that's a, that's a funny question, right? Cause every like hard, when you say hardworking, it's a little bit subjective. I think everybody is inherently hardworking, but you work hard towards the things that you like to do. And, you know, some people don't recognize it. it could be video games. It could be whatever. For me, it was basketball. I started out being basketball. I used to work hard and do everything I could to, 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 to be those idols that I saw on TV, you know, your Michael Jordans and, and, and whatnot. And, When I got to a point, you you start to realize that even though you work hard and you follow something that you love, you will have to do things you don't like. To achieve those things that you love. And I think that curiosity is what drives you to work hard. So I don't, I think initially you could have said that I wasn't working hard because I wasn't really paying attention to school. I was only really in a a couple of things, but I was dedicated, you know, the universe is rigged in such a way that when you focus on one thing, you'll get it. So for me, it was basketball. And I was like, okay, that's what I'm focused on. And no matter what curveball came my way. I was I had to adjust in order to keep doing that, and that's how I discovered my other passions. So I would say that I've always been hardworking at things that I enjoy doing, and if as long as I enjoy doing it, whatever whatever crossed my path along the way, I will work equally as hard at, at that. So if I wanted to play basketball, and 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 academics were were one of the prices of entry then that's what I'm doing because otherwise I can't do what I like to do. And in that process, I've found other things that I really enjoy and love. And it allows me to work harder at those things, even though I don't I don't perceive it as working hard because, again, I'm following my passion, I'm doing what I love. And there's no price tag on that. There's no amount of hours in the day for that. It's something that you will wake up every day and do for free. I think that's what true hard work is.
1: I love that Uh, i actually uh say the same thing that uh, when you find something that you would uh, wake up every day and do and love and enjoy even if you weren't paid to do it knowing that you are going to be paid um then uh it really uh is kind of the sweet spot you're making a difference and you're enjoying doing it uh so it it sounds to me like what you were uh sharing is there was a mindset change um uh that you experienced and as you were uh, also sharing and and just to reiterate you you didn't show up let's say on the radar in high school for example as like this straight a student this collegiate bound uh but you wound up getting a full ride to the Ohio State. Uh, and then you, you mentioned how you transitioned to aerospace and eventually landed at General Motors. What is it do you think that they saw in you that led them to extend that offer in the first place?
2: Uh, I think they saw the passion that I had for for the industry and, and the passion that I had for what I was doing, because I was I was by no means the smartest. I didn't have the highest GPA. Um, I didn't, you know, I wasn't some rock star kid that was on everybody's radar. Uh, but what I was was somebody that was a gearhead that was humbled. Like I told you, to to understand that I was where I was to have the opportunity to work on cars and be in the the automotive industry as an aerospace engineering student, I felt very very um, humbled. Uh, at that opportunity, so I wanted to make sure that they knew that they took a chance on me, and that it was the right chance. That I love cars, uh, so I'm not just going to come here and, and 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 be an engineer that has high potential for, you know, things of solving problems, but more so, I have an I have a personal investment in the industry because. I want to design cars being a car person. So I have the customer in mind. And I think that that's what they saw in me, that they saw somebody who had a smile on his face, no matter what happened, even when things went wrong, he was able, you know, that I was able to really kind of keep a smile and, and keep working hard and keep trying to figure out solutions because I was interested in what and what was happening. So I think GM saw that passion, that, that it was kind of a meant to be type thing. I think they saw the joy in this little kid showing up every day, uh, working on cars. And, and, and that was something that, Um, that they took a chance on.
1: And I think that you've just shared something that I'm sure will be underscored in the next segment as we talk about the career and pipeline. People paid attention to how you were showing up. I think that so often uh, we downplay that. Uh, because, you know, we, we say something to the effect that sometimes half the battle is just showing up. Well, uh, there is something we said for how you show up. And I think that uh, you, you expressed it in a way that we don't necessarily hear people speaking about, even though they actually may feel that way. You said you show up with joy. Um, and that was something that folks noticed. Let me ask you this. You've been at GM for a little bit. What, what goals do you have for your career?
2: Yeah, so it, it it's a pretty it's a pretty similar story um, that I've had across my uh, across my life. So I've I started out in, as an aerodynamics engineer, uh, and I loved it. I wanted to you know live and die there. I was like, man, you know, being in the wind tunnel, redesigning cars, like uh, you know, working with designers, and it was really awesome. But then. What I realized was I had to inter- interact with someone that that basically is known as a chief engineer. And that chief engineer owns the entire car. So when you think of someone that owns the car, they own the success of that car. So whether it be safety, performance, you know, the ride and handling, aerodynamics, manufacturing, everything has to go through a chief engineer so that so that individual can weigh the pros and cons, take calculated risk to make sure that the product that's being delivered in the end is what the customer wants. And it has to be within scope. It has to be within budget. It has to meet certain criteria. And engineers are able to speak that language. So when I interacted with chief engineers, I was just completely enamored by the fact that they could speak intelligently across the entire car, bumper to bumper, inside out, down to the finances and the manufacturing. And I was just amazed um, at that. And I said, you know what? I really want to be a chief engineer. And in order to be a chief engineer, they know everything about the car at, you know, at, a, at a high level, which means that they've held those positions in the company. They released the door handle. They release the grill. They they were the performance engineer for ride and handling. They were an aerodynamicist at one point in time. They all have a different story, but nonetheless, they saw the process. So when I saw that, I immediately started to gear my career towards that. So I've, I've held multiple positions around the car, releasing parts, going into different areas of performance, uh, as well as program management to be able to understand how the entire vehicle works Uh, with aspirations to be a chief engineer. So I'm one step away from that now, program engineering manager reports to a chief engineer. So that's the the next logical progression. But after going through this process and getting closer to that in the timeframe that I've gotten there, it's almost like, Sky's the limit, why Why stop here? Why not be a senior leader? Why not be a vice president? Why not be an executive vice president and be able to take the platform and, and affect that change? So right now the short-term goal is, uh, is being executive uh, within the chief engineer front. But uh, beyond that, I want to be a senior leader. I want to be an executive vice president um, you know, and I want to prove to people why I can be that. So at this point in time, it's not necessarily working with a chip on my shoulder, but working with a platform to understand that if I can do this good at this level, uh, imagine what I could do at a much higher level. So that's th- those are my goals right now. Whether they come to fruition or not, is not my plan, but that that's what I'm aiming for.
1: Wow, thank you, thank you for giving us that that insight, that peek in. Oftentimes we don't we don't like to talk openly about what our, our career aspirations are. It's like, no, sh- wait till the announcement comes out and then, then you'll know. Surprise, this is what I've been wanting. But I I'm uh I'm glad that you were willing to put it out there. Really articulate, this is what I am working toward. And I was waiting for uh someone who has a love of flying to say the sky's the limit. <laughs> And you got it in there, you got it in there. Uh, and so uh, as we listen to the, the uh, opening, uh, you're now in a position at General Motors where you're getting to do some pretty cool stuff um, with electric vehicles. Uh, can you talk to us about that space and, and what is the significance of electric vehicles and uh, their coming impact on our, our environment?
2: yeah um so i've I've been fortunate enough again kind of shows you if you as long as you're doing what you love you end up you know work working on some some pretty cool things but i'm uh you know i i I just recently transitioned to a new position uh but prior to my current position i was in the autonomous uh realm working on our you know fully autonomous cruise origin which is a ride sharing vehicle um fully electric fully autonomous and it, it it was the epitome of, of the vision of General Motors, which is zero crashes, zero emissions, and zero congestion, right? So, you know, zero crashes, an autonomous vehicle doesn't drive distracted, you know, it takes it knows exactly where it's at, exactly how to move. Zero congestion when when you when you when you have vehicles on the road that know where they need to go and they can do the speed limit and not have any you know crashes or anything like that. You get to where you need to go faster and a lot more efficiently. Uh, zero emissions. working on an all electric platform. These vehicles do not uh, emit and have the carbon footprint like our typical internal combustion engines uh, do. So, I was working as assistant program engineering manager on on on, on our autonomous vehicle. Uh, so basically, being kind of the right hand person to the program engineering manager and the chief engineer to make sure that from an engineering standpoint we're making the right decisions that things are integrating the way they need to be integrated that we're hitting our budget that the customer is in that we're keeping the customer at the center of our focus that we're making the right safety calls that we're getting all the engineers on the same page champion towards you know launching this vehicle. Um, and it was just an amazing experience to be able to, to, to do that on the autonomous front where we're revolutionizing how people are going to move, right? So, you you know, you 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 went from one point where people are taking taxis and, and driving, and then all of a sudden ride share became a thing. And you can just open up an app on your phone and have, you know, a stranger come pick you up at your house and take you anywhere. Now you wonder how, she, you know, how would you ever, you know, get anywhere uh, prior to that, you know, people had to hail a taxi or call a taxi. It's so easy to do it as an app now. But then to take that even a step for, further and say, now that app is going to come with a driverless car and it'll be available twenty four seven no matter you know no matter where you are and what what you're doing. So that was just part a, amazing project to be a part of. And now I've transitioned uh, to our electric truck space um, where I'm a program engineering manager working on uh, our 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 future fully electric trucks. Which you know, if if you live in the United States, if you know anything about General Motors, our bread and butter, butter are full size trucks and SUVs. So we can now marry that those visions of of zero 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 with our you know our electric trucks. Um, you know to be able to com- compete with a lot of uh, a lot of these other electric ve- vehicles and trucks that you see coming out now so very very cool to be on that front and just the technology that's that that's in- included in blows my mind but um the curiosity that i have to go every day because i'm not an electrical savant i'm not a control savant i have an aerospace background um so naturally my my again my resume doesn't you know they had never fully fit the position i was going in but they took a chance on me because i had the passion to make the product what it needs to be um and and the, and the curiosity to keep coming in every day giving 110 percent. so just very fortunate to be in this space
1: and so you're talking again so a few years ago um i don't know what happened but my wife came home and she said i want a truck and I'm like whoa what <laughs> um, a truck uh so so we got a truck and now i'm hearing you talking about an electric truck uh that is i mean when we first started hearing about electric vehicles trucks were not something that you pictured and now you're electric truck electric hummer i see um uh and and you've already teased up of zero 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 the 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 really interesting factory zero so so w- with the factory zero kind of as this 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 underlying uh goal uh, what is it that makes this electric vehicle fleet so important in gm's mind um it,
2: I, I think it's important to us because if you look at the trend of history um, with with the evolution of technology, uh, always comes a revolution of of the way we live. Right when you think of things like the the introduction of our first cars, and then the introduction of uh, flight, aviation, commercial vehicles. So you know, at no point in time did people think that they would transition from the horse and buggy to just driving their own personal cars. But it happened. At no point did people think that they would be able to take flight, go in the air, and be somewhere in a couple hours. But it sure enough. It's there. At no point did you think that you could store all of your information online and buy things online, but the internet happened, and there you go. And now you don't even have to leave your house for packages to come right on the, you know, down to your groceries to to your front door. You've revolutionized those things. The only way that we got to those point were forward thinking people to say where we are right now is not enough. We, and there's there's going to be a horizon. There's going to be a revolution that's going to come. And if you're not at the forefront, you're always going to be playing catch up. And I think what General Motors sees is that you can't run on, you know, fossil fuels forever. You can't continue to pollute the earth. You know, climate change is real. Um, and what's the next, what's the next revolution of how we transport people being a leader in the automotive industry and it's electrical vehicle, uh, it's, it's electric vehicles. So with the technology developing, um, we saw this as the opportunity to not, to not only help revolutionize the way, people move, but to be at the forefront of that uh, with the platform we have being General Motors, one of the largest automotive companies in the world, uh, to really set the precedent and say, you know what, we're going to dig our heels into the sand and we're going we're gonna to completely take off and we're going to succeed where others have failed um, in, in making uh, an electric vehicle for everyone um, so that we can help protect our planet, we can help protect our people, uh, and that we could be on the forefront of, of that, of revolutionizing technology and the way we move.
1: That is really cool. The gauntlet has been thrown down. You said we are going to succeed where others have failed. And then you use the R word, you said it's a revolution. And, And that is really cool to think about in terms of what really does happen when you uh, take the learnings from high tech and apply them to improving, really, mankind. Uh, before I toss it to uh, Lango Dean for the next section, got to ask you, you teased up Factory Zero, the 000, earlier. So thinking about Factory Zero, which is unique to GM, uh, what would you say is the coolest thing uh, that you are experiencing uh, being connected uh, to that particular a uh, piece of work or or the goals of that work what is the coolest
2: thing that i'm experiencing by being connected to this vision and and in factory zero is that the question yeah yeah i would i would say the, the the coolest thing i'm experiencing uh is just being able to be a change agent and and to know that when i show up to work decisions that i make uh the things that i do or don't do will have a huge stake in the revolution uh, that is electric vehicles so i think that's the coolest aspect there's no there's no one particular thing it's just a collection of things that you do every day and understanding that this is going to be a staple um whether good or bad uh in the future of of how people move
1: thanks for that and and again i look for headlines i am a change agent That is what I took from that. And really, that applies to, I'm sure, many different um, endeavors that you've taken on so far and those things that will drive you uh, as you continue on to the path of your next goals. Uh, I'm gonna hand it off to Lango Dean, who is gonna take us further in this conversation. Hey, Lango, how's it going?
3: Very well, Dr. Vaughn, how about you?
1: I'm doing great, thanks, and I'm looking forward to the conversation continuing. You're listening
0: to High Tech Sunday, featuring Dr. Mark Vaughn, Lengo Dean, and our special guest, 2021 Bay of STEM Most Promising Engineer and Industry Award winner and Program Engineering Manager for General Motors, Charles Muse. Registration for the 2021 Women of Color STEM Conference is now open. Stay tuned for a message from our sponsor. Running from October 7th through the 9th, 2021, don't miss out on the upcoming Women of Color STEM Conference. Since 1995, the Women of Color STEM Conference has been the premier forum of choice for recognizing the significant contributions by women in STEM fields. General registration opens on April 30th, 2021. Don't miss out on the opportunity to meet and learn from executives who are committed to the advancement of women in the workplace. Again, general registration opens on April 30th, 2021. We hope to see you there. Please visit www.womenofcolor.net for more information. Again, registration for the 2021 Women of Color STEM Conference is now open. So visit www.womenofcolor.net for more information. Now, Back to the show.
3: Welcome to the show, Charles. It's a pleasure to have you here today. Um, Right at the beginning, you talked about um, where you're from, the south side of Chicago, and it's a place that has become. it's almost like it's got a life of its own in popular culture, just like Hollywood. Is it 90210? So people tend to forget that people live everyday lives in places like the South Side of Chicago or Hollywood 90210, um, that their, their aspirations and what they want for themselves are not very different. So what advice would you give to young people starting off like you started off and who want to lead the kind of life that you're leading now and go down the paths that you have taken over several years?
2: Yeah, um, growing up uh, on the South Side of Chicago uh, and, and being able to kind of have, a, a, you know, I, I would I wouldn't change anything about it, right? I wouldn't change anything about the way I grew up, what I saw uh, I had a I had an amazing home so it didn't matter what my environment was outside of the home I had enough steadfast to be able to focus on what I needed to focus on so my biggest advice to young folks especially no matter where you're growing up Southside so Chicago you know DC you know United kingdom wherever wherever you are it's just a matter of fi- you know when you find something that you love to do there's nothing there's no circumstance that's going to stop you from from getting to that point no matter where you think you are you could be in the smallest town there's five people in your town 10 people in your town. You know, millions of people in your city, um, don't ever feel discouraged uh, about where you're coming from and think that you have a disadvantage. Because in the end, a lot of those things that you thought were disadvantages really gave you advantages. You know, the things that I saw, the things that I had to go through, uh, you think that they're difficult while you're going through it. But what you realize is that you're being prepared and groomed and molded in such a way that somebody else somewhere else is not. So understand that it may be hard to think that way now because you're like, why am I going through this? Why do I have to take all these buses and a train to get to school? And why do I have to, you know, like, you know, why are these kids picking on me and trying to beat me up at the train station because I'm wearing this stupid tie? Like things that I thought about going there, you realize that it sharpened you in such a way. So my biggest advice is to take those things that you think are adversities, that you think are challenges, and understand that those are tools being put in your toolbox that you will use further down the road.
3: That's wonderful. So take those things that you think are adversity, take those things that are challenges and use them as a tools, put them in your toolbox, because you're definitely going to use them in the future. One great advice. Um, you were, you you talked about, uh, you, you focus on basketball and the fact that you were an aspiring, you focus more on, athletics than academics i think at the beginning so right now there are many young people who have similar dreams of becoming a superstar athlete but statistically speaking not many of them will ever go pro so how can young athletes convert that their competitive nature and apply to stem or other academic goals to find success
2: yeah and the big thing about that is is as i mentioned before like things are rigged in such a way that when you focus on one thing you'll get it now that's not to say i I definitely understand statistics and know that i'm not saying that anybody that focuses on wanting to be a professional athlete is going to attain that we just know it's physically impossible but i think along that journey you unlock so many other elements about yourself when you're dedicated to that craft uh, that you realize other things that you could be a part of, you know, whether that be being a coach of that sport, whether it means you're designing the new equipment for that sport, you're going to have some type of personal investment or something that you pick up along the way that you, it'll make sense as to why you're doing that. So I would never discourage anyone that wants to be a professional athlete or tell them, oh no, think about something different because I had those same things told, you know, told to me and not even just about being a professional athlete. I had You know, you know, down to family members when I was stressing out in college to say, switch to finance, do something different. Like, why are you putting yourself through this? Like, you have to be able to realize that when you set your mind on something, there's going to be things that try to deter you. uh, And you may not get exactly what you think that you want at the time. Could be professional athlete, could be whatever but you'll realize that you'll land where you're supposed to land. So my biggest advice in that area is, you wanna be a professional athlete, that's awesome, but there is a there's a price to pay. Uh, and it starts with academics, especially when you think about these, these colleges that have these super high test standards uh, and rigorous programs just to be able to stay on the team. And you'll unlock a different part of yourself that will prepare you for that, right? It will prepare you for that element of life um, as you go through the different failures, because life, you know, life and success is just you standing on a mountain of failure, right? A mountain of things that never worked, a mountain of things that went wrong. That's what success is stand on, not just you hit a home run every time. So I think that part of that, learning it in sports, learning how to be a team player, learning how to refine your craft is preparing you for the real world, you know, regardless. And you don't see it until you realize that you're at the end of your road with that particular goal or dream and it translates into something else
3: thank you for that um i think you briefly mentioned uh, the school that you went to and uh, you talked about you know uh, kids picking on you for the tie you were wearing or or the fact that you had to take so many city buses just to get to school um i, I i'm guessing you went to a prep school So what advice do you have for young kids? Because last week we had a guest on the show who uh, I think he won a scholarship to a prep school and he had a bad experience on the buses. And so he just never went back. He just stayed in his uh, neighborhood. So what advice do you have for young kids who might make it to a prep school or a private high school and and want to do well in STEM and go on to university? What advice do you have for them?
2: It kind of ties back into uh, my comment to say that you need to really take those adversities and 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 recognize them as opportunities for growth and opportunities to sharpen yourself. So if you're taking two buses and a train like I did to have to get to school and you're going through certain neighborhoods of public schools and folks are picking on you because they know what school you go to, they see the khakis, they see your tie, they see all these things that they don't have to wear. Um, you need to be able to recognize that as, as that you are doing something like you never get what you want by doing what others are doing, right? You never you never get the you never revolutionize the next thing by thinking like everyone's thinking right now. So if you, if you're going through adversity, if people are calling you out of the crowd cuz you're doing something different, you're a revolutionary. So stay on that path and understand that if it's easy to get there, it's just as easy to to lose it. I guess so, if you're being picked on, if it's harder in class, if the teachers are hard on you, if it, there are things that are discouraging you from doing those, you have to realize that you're doing something that no one else is comfortable doing, and that should that should that should thrill you, that people are that against, or there there are circumstances that are trying to keep you from doing that. Um, so that that would be my advice uh, for someone that wants to pursue it. Figure out that the things that you're going through, no one else is going through, and that's why you've been chosen to go through it. So it's hard in the moment to recognize that, but try to think of it as you, in order to get to the rainbow, you have to have a storm, and that storm looks different from everybody. So once you recognize that storm, that should be your motivation to say, yep, something good is coming. Because if you never hit a storm, then I would say you don't you don't have anything to look 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 forward to on the other side. You're probably just gonna to continue to get what you have.
3: Wonderful. Um, you talked about in the beginning, you talked about your support network at home. So that it didn't matter what was going on outside in your neighborhood, you had a great support network at home. And that took you through several stages of life until your high school. So, what did going to that high school add to you? What were the things that you took away from that high school, from that sort of faith-based environment? What did you take away?
2: Uh, I took away a lot of things. I would say um, transitioning and going to to a, a private uh, Catholic high school uh, turned a boy into a man, right? So I had love. I had all that at home, but I also had a little bit of sheltering from that love and going to that high school and having, you know, faced some of the adversities to get there and then being subject to things I'd never been subject to before. I had to wear a shirt and tie. I didn't have to wear that at, at the public, you know, grammar school or elementary school that I went to. How You know, you know, as, as I started to mature as a man, I started to grow facial hair. They made you shave it off. You had to be presentable. If you showed up to school with a mustache or, your, you know, you had to shave that off. I had long braids down the middle of my back, you know, they said, no, your hair can be longer than two inches. Go get a fade. I had to go cut all of my hair off just to play basketball. They turned me into a man and they taught me the element of time management. No matter if I was an athlete, I, if anything, I was underneath more scrutiny. I had to be early to class. I had to score higher than everybody else because, oh no, no, you you can't afford to, to not be able to do this stuff. So I think that the, the element of going to that private school and especially, you know, it being a Christian school, I was able to Keep my faith and, you know, and be able to practice being a Christian unapologetically, but also I was able to have that regimen of time management accountability uh, to where I wasn't, I wasn't treated any different. I was actually held at a higher standard. Uh, than anybody else, especially anybody else that went to a public school, nothing against public schools, but they didn't have to wear uniform. They didn't have to be regimented. uh, They didn't have to shave their faces and do all these different things. They got to express themselves exactly how they wanted to. Uh, and I think what, you know, putting kind of those restraints on me in high school prepared me for the real world. You can't just show up to work looking how you want to look doing what you want to do, saying what you want to say, being late, not being accountable, you know, feeling some t- sort of entitlement. Uh, I think being able to go to that private school allowed me to really mature and grow up uh, as a man and be subject to things that most kids, because that's what you are when you're 14, 18, you're still a kid. Uh, but I was a kid held to adult adult standards. So the real world transition was not a shock for me.
3: That's wonderful, perfect. Um. My last question before I turn it back to Dr. Vaughn, and that is, what has been the best advice you've ever received, the best ever advice?
2: The best ever advice that I have received. I would say the best advice that I've received um, is it's not about being right. It's about being effective. And I think I live my being an engineer and being a being being a, you know, just a typical stubborn kid. I used to always want to be right. I want my answer to be right. What I said was right. Uh, And in a lot of cases, no matter where you apply it, work, especially relationships, anybody that's probably married probably understands this. It's not about you being right sometimes. Sometimes it's about you taking a back seat. And being wrong or accepting someone else being right, to be effective to bring a group together to, to get to the next task, because you won't always be right. You won't always have the answers. So when you focus on just being effective and being able to leverage the skill set in the room, whether it be work room, a basketball court, your, your wife, your husband, you need to be able to look at a situation and say, "I don't want to necessarily figure out the right answer. I want to figure out the effective answer." Yeah, I want to figure out how to insert myself into this situation and not be right about whatever it is I'm evaluating which is very hard for an engineer by the way it's about how can I be effective how can I get everybody working together and and, and 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 to get something done so that's that's probably the best advice I ever received and I received it very late in my career when I thought I knew everything and it was probably the best thing that someone could have told me at the time Wow
3: that's pretty deep. just trying to sort out how to be effective it's not always the topmost things in in your mind when you're approaching a problem, because you just want to figure the problem out. You're not thinking about, is that the most effective thing to do? So that's a great piece of advice. Thank you so much for sharing that. Well, at this point, I'm going to hand it back to Dr. Vaughn. Thank you so much again, Charles. Over to you, Dr. Vaughn.
1: Thanks a lot, Lango. I really appreciate being able to listen in on uh, this part of the conversation. Got two headlines and I got to tell you, uh, Mr. Muse, as you were speaking just then about uh, it's more important to be effective than to be right. I was like, preach it, man. Uh, That was some good stuff. (laughs) Because sometimes we do think that if I'm right, I'm effective. Uh, but you, uh, you just schooled us that sometimes uh, the being right isn't the the end game. And then, um, so I, I, I have a, a few gray hairs in, in my in my facial hair. Uh, so I've been around for a minute. I have never heard it. I've heard people say that you cannot have a testimony without a test. Okay, I've never heard anybody say that when you see the storm coming, know that there's a rainbow on the other side. And so if you want to get to uh, the rainbow, you got to go through the storm. I'm going to use that, OK? I, I don't know if they told you. I, I am bivocational, so I'm also a pastor. So I'm going to preach that. I'll give you credit the first time. But then after okay. after that, I'm going to own it, OK? They won't know anything about Charles Mew said it first. But, <laughs> but seriously, right. seriously, that that was that was good. I, I appreciate that on High Tech Sunday here um so as we as we start to wrap up i want to uh make sure that we let people know how they can stay connected to you um so if you have any social media handles anything like that we'll ask you to share that in just a minute before you give us some final thoughts but since since we are are talking to an aerospace gearhead kind of guy uh we were reflecting uh lango and brandon ray and i uh recently on uh our, our startup of of these episodes and how uh there was at the backdrop uh, a launch of the spacex dragon you'll remember that uh maybe late last spring and since then there have been others uh so i'm going to ask you uh, kind of uh, i guess a fun question uh a lot of us are kind of geeked about space exploration and spaceships and that kind of thing so uh, uh do you have a favorite kind of sci-fi space uh tv show or movie uh that that you really just i mean could watch it at the drop of a hat and and uh, kind of companion to that which of those characters uh would you uh most like to be (laughs) so it's
2: it's it's funny that you say that because uh as an aerospace engineering major everybody was into star wars right star wars star trek you got the whole gamut of that but i never really got into it right i never really got into it um so i don't really have a sci-fi uh show or or movie that i watch but slightly short of that my favorite movie of all time is top gun uh, i am a pilot uh right now and I'm, I'm training to be a flight instructor as well so i fly anytime that I can get you know I fly very very frequently um, so Top Gun was one of my favorite movies and I could definitely uh, identify myself within Top Gun as Maverick and Maverick was kind of the rebel flew a different way everybody everyone got mad at the way he flew but what he did it got stuff done at a different level and I think that throughout my life no matter what I've been doing I've always gotten somebody including family members to say why are you doing that why would you put yourself through that why are you going about it this way uh, but nonetheless I've gotten to where I've gotten and I've been able to do some pretty cool things. So I think Maverick in the movie Top Gun does the same thing. Uh being a pilot and an engineer and working in the automotive industry on autonomous cars and electric cars, none of it adds up. None of it makes sense. Everyone kind of questioned it, but I think I've kind of like the Maverick in that, in that, in that sense of of being able to be a renaissance man and do things that I love, no matter if it makes sense to someone else or not, I know that it's going to be something that someone else isn't doing. So that's that's my tidbit on that. <laughs>
1: I love that. Very cool. So uh, I know that, you know, November 19th, uh, that's the release date. So we'll probably be finding you in a theater somewhere when Maverick comes out. <laughs> <laughs> so um, tell us, uh, is, is there uh, a way that people can stay connected to you? Or Do you have a social media presence uh, that you could share with us uh, uh, if folks are wanting to stay in touch or follow you?
2: yeah yeah absolutely um i have linkedin that's at charles muse um you can find me on linkedin uh as well as facebook so same thing there charles Muse. It should pop up metro detroit area
1: awesome thanks for sharing that and and we do like to hear some parting words of wisdom or inspiration or encouragement uh before we uh let the audience off uh to reflect upon the conversation so What would you say in parting to encourage those who are listening today? Uh, my, My
2: encouragement would be follow, follow things that you love, follow your passions. You can never go wrong with doing something that you love. If you wake up, and and you love what you're doing you wake up with a sense of purpose uh and and, and along that journey is going to be a lot of different challenges and adversities but you have to be able to recognize that discomfort uh is something that's building you uh, and growing and i think there's a i can't remember who where the saying comes from but it's i mean it's it's very deep uh the the saying is everybody wants to go to heaven but no one's willing to die so you have to be able to recognize the fact that to get to where you wanna go, no matter how euphoric it is, there's a passageway you have to go through and it's not something that's gonna be appetizing. So um, there's gonna be challenges, there's gonna be struggle along the way, but if you love what you're doing, if your goal is to, to reach that that equivalent heaven, understand that you're gonna die to certain portions of yourself and you're gonna be reborn uh, a different person uh, that has a lot of purpose. So along that journey as you're, as you're moving and following your passions, Accept those adversities um, and and understand it's it's molding you to get to where you uh, where you want to be.
1: And there's the drop the mic once again. Uh, really, really appreciate you sharing uh, just a bit of your journey with us, Charles Muse, and and uh, some really thought provoking words of wisdom along the way. We are certainly grateful that we had the opportunity to spend this time, uh, and we thank you uh, for sharing it with us. Thank you. It was a pleasure uh, being a part of the show, part of the podcast. Um, I'm very,
2: very fortunate to have met everyone here and been able to tell my story. So very blessed and appreciative for that.
1: Absolutely. Uh, so I'm going to hand it back over to Brandon Newby, who will see us out. Thanks again.
0: Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of High Tech Sunday. Career Communication Group's High Tech Sunday looks at professional development and technology, through the lens of spiritual philosophies. In a time when digital information is more critical than ever, this weekly program is produced by and for CCG's community of alumni and professionals in science, technology, engineering, and math fields. The community runs from national thought leaders to aspiring students. And this weekly series aims to bring a concentrated discussion around technological advancements and achievements based on universal moral principles. The one-hour podcast will be streamed every Sunday. The podcast can be accessed through the Baya Facebook page, Women of Color Facebook page, and CCG YouTube page. In addition to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and Spotify. Please join us next time. Nominations for the twenty twenty two Bay of STEM Conference are now open. You have someone in your organization who goes above and beyond? Nominate them for a 2022 Baya STEM Conference Award. Please visit www.ccgheroes.com for more details on our nomination process. All peer-reviewed nominations are due on August 31st, 2021. All Outstanding Achievement Award nominations are due on October 1st. 2021. Again, please visit www.ccgheroes.com for more details on our nomination process.